Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Thank you for choosing this podcast to listen to today. I know that there are so many great programs and, and podcasts out there. When I'm going out for a walk with the dog or going for a long drive, I'm always uh, sitting down and trying to, you know, sifting through all these different options of, of what to download and listen to. So we appreciate you choosing us today. Robin is sitting with me here again today. And before we dive into today's conversation, I thought I would take a moment and remind or request you to take a second and leave us a review um, or a rating or both on the podcast app or on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this. There should be a way to do that, to leave uh, a review or, or some feedback for us. And uh, we actually have an example here of one that we, we did receive some feedback, Robin, a couple months ago. Yeah. I don't know if you've, you've seen this one on here, but... Um, I just thought maybe I would share this to inspire other people to leave their thoughts and and uh, give us a review. So, Tony the Tiger, you know who you are. Thank you for, for leaving this message. Uh, Tony said, a very thoughtful and interesting approach to biblical stories with modern day examples and metaphor. The questions we all ask and are told to just have faith about, these two approach them with open minds and a comprehensive knowledge of the scriptures. Well, I think obviously Tony's talking about you on that one because I definitely don't have a comprehensive knowledge of scripture, but I do have an interest in it. And uh, it sounds like today we are going to be talking about a biblical story, which is uh, the, the famous story of the prodigal son. But before we dive into that, I'll have you just hit pause or say, hey Siri, pause this podcast and go and leave us a review of your own. Okay, welcome back. I trust that you uh, you went and did that for us. I'll be checking, and maybe next week we'll read uh, any comments or reviews that you have shared with us. So, Robin, we're going to talk about the prodigal son story today, right? Right. Sure. Yeah. So go, Ben, with your comprehensive knowledge of... Of scripture? <laughs> yeah. No, actually, you know what? I think you know more than you think. First of all, I think you know more than you think. Um, First, uh, first of all, secondly, I think there's lots of people who think they know more than they do. Mm, um, that's but then I true. also think there's people who know some, um, but not really sure what it is that they're saying. Right. You know, I'm going somewhere with this, right? Um, and and here's where here here's the thing. Uh, we call this story. Uh, it's a parable, right? We call it the, the prodigal son parable. Um, that's uh, what it's called, and that's a term that's actually entered common use, right? Like, like there's some. I mean. It's like you think of the like hundreds of expressions that we use today that were in Shakespeare, for instance, right? And and there's you know, probably just as many from the Bible um, that we use as an expression just in common daily use. We refer to a good Samaritan, for instance. There's another example from a parable of Jesus. Um, and uh, even even if you have if you have even like a little bit of awareness of the Bible or Bible stories, if I were to say something to you like, you know, such and such a thing is kind of like a mustard seed, the image in your head might immediately be a tiny little thing that grows into something big. I don't need to explain it. You'd get it, right? Mm -hmm. um, if I say Good Samaritan, um, you would, like, the, every now and then you read stories in the newspaper about so-and-so being a Good Samaritan, you'd immediately think in your, he in your head, oh, that's that story Jesus told about um, somebody being helped by a stranger. The stranger's a Good Samaritan. Yeah. And I'd go, not exactly. <laughs> 
Um, and the same is true of the prodigal son. Um, the thing is that the, the point of the Good Samaritan parable isn't just that a stranger helped the person. It's that the stranger was the least likely person to do it as far as the listener might be concerned, right? right. The point of telling that story to Jews was that they hated Samaritans. In yeah, other they, words. Were enemies. yeah. Um, they were enemies. They were enemies. And and so the, the audience listening to that story, uh, Jesus tell that story, would have immediately recognized Jesus' point wasn't just that it was a stranger, but it was compared to these other people whose job was either to actually help people or should have wanted to help. It was the one person who should not want to help the that actually did it, right? Have... The least likely. Yeah. Um, and see, the same thing's kind of true of the prodigal son story. Um, every now and then you'll hear somebody refer to uh, their kid or um, somebody, uh, some other member of the family will refer to so-and-so in the family as the prodigal son or daughter or, um, you know. Or the black sheep. The black, the black <laughs> sheep's another one. But see, you've already done it. You've equated the prodigal son with the black sheep. In mm -hmm. other words, our under, what's our understanding of the prodigal? Well, there's two things that we understand about that. One is that whatever they did was bad. Um, but bad. secondly, yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, but, but also, and this is, a, this is a key part of the story, right, is that it's the one who went away to do it mm -hmm. and came back. And the one who went away has nothing to do with the definition of prodigal. It's not even part of it. We just think that because we know the story. In fact, even if you don't know the story, even if you don't know the story from the Bible and have no awareness of the biblical story at all, you've probably heard the expression enough to understand that prodigal son means, or daughter, means the one who went away, did something they shouldn't have, and then came back. Yeah. Invariably, you have the idea, too, I would, I think, and feel free to say I'm wrong about this, but whenever you refer to somebody as prodigal, the fact that they came back was good, and now they're good. Now they've been restored. And they've been restored, so they're good. Yeah. Right? So it's not it's not that they're a bad person. Now they're good. They right. might have been before, but now they're good. Right? Because they've been forgiven. thing is, prodigal means, literally means, um, to act or behave in a wasteful or extravagant manner, especially with money. Hmm. That's, that's what it means. That's I all it means. I did not know that. Right? So we've named the story that has a fairly significant number of characters in it about the one that we think is the key character. FYI, it's not. Um, but we've named it, <laughs> we've named it after the, the character that we think the story's about, right? So um, the story is um, a man has two sons. He obviously owns a lot of, he's well off, let's say, um, and owns property. And one son comes to him and says, um, I want my share of the inheritance now. I don't want to have to wait, I want it now. And um, to do with what I want. And the father says, okay, and gives him the money. And he leaves. There's the leaving, right? And he goes to a, another country where it says in the story, Jesus says um, he, he wasted away in, in the money on, uh, on riotous living, right? Like it was just, he lived wastefully, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, he partied. He had a good time. And then, uh, of course, he spends all the money. He's got nothing left. Um, finds himself having to find a job feeding pigs and realizes that the pigs, uh, you know, he's hungry and he would eat even what the pigs ate, were eating. And he thinks to himself, you know, even the people that worked for my dad were better off than this. I'm going to go home. He rehearses a whole speech and everything about I am not worthy, you know, and he heads home. Father sees him coming. 
it's a fairly key element of the story. Father sees him coming, doesn't wait for him to get there, sees him coming. So obviously the father's been kind of hoping he would return. Um, runs out to meet him. The son starts his little speech. Dad cuts him off and says, um, don't care, basically. You're back. Welcome. Let's celebrate. I'm so glad you're home. The other son's watching this and he's thinking, what the hell? <laughs> right? He's, he's thinking, I'm the one who stayed. I'm the one who worked hard. I'm the one who behaved the way I was supposed to. That one ran off, spent all your money, had a good time, and has now come back. And you're just forgiving him and welcoming him home. And the dad says to that son, um, well, of course, because your brother was lost and is found and uh, you know, was dead and is alive again. Kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. The end. <laughs> it does not say, first of all, it does not say anything beyond that. It doesn't say that the other brother went, oh, okay then, and embraced his brother and welcomed him home and That's felt better about That's actually the things. end of the story? That's the end of the story. It goes on to another parable. So which, um, which it gospel doesn't say, book are we taking? This is from? Luke. This is from the book of Luke. This is Luke. And it's only in Luke? It's only in Luke. And uh, at the end of the story, Luke has Jesus go on to another parable basically. So he um, just le- so he drops leaves it, it hanging. This is the second, by the way, this is the second week in a row, right? That we've been stuck with a parable that Jesus just kind of leaves it hanging, right? Last week we were talking about the parable of the, the tree, the fig tree, right? Where the gardener, um, right. the, the owner comes in and says, it's not producing anything, cut it down. And the gardener goes, give me a year and I'll, I'll nurture it and water it and dig around it and stuff. And that's where the parable ends. It doesn't say any whatever whatever happened hmm. after that. So there's tons of possibilities. So here's this prodigal son parable. Um, we know we know dad ordered a party, and the party started because that's what brought the brother back, the other the other brother in from the field, who was you know the one who stayed and worked hard. Um, and uh, but we don't know we don't know if after that little speech, um, the brother went into the party and embraced his his long lost brother, or whether he continued to be resentful. Um, we don't know if the brother who came back actually was repentant and did change his ways or whether he then just continued to be, you know, the jerk that he was Pre- previously, right? We don't know. We don't know if um, the father um, continues to to, uh, to to be as forgiving and loving as they go forward and, you know, see what happens with the two. Bre- we don't know anything. Yeah, for all we know, the thing. they had the party, and then the dad said, "Okay, now it's time to sit down and talk yeah. consequences." Yeah, I have, don't don't even start me here though, because I have other questions. Like, where's the mother? Um, I, I also have other questions, like like for example, um, in in those days, um, you couldn't obtain your inheritance unless the parent was dead, and so. Uh, I, I'm assuming that this was one one way of understanding this, and I, I know I shouldn't assume, but I'm, I'm thinking that one way that you might hear this uh, in the first century as a, as a Hebrew person listening to the story would be, effectively, the son said, you're dead to me. Hmm. Give me my money. You're dead to me. And left. Yeah. Um, which even heightens the whole lost and found dead and alive right? it implies that, right? this is a departure where i'm yeah. never coming back i'm not just yeah. going off to find myself or going backpacking in southeast sure. asia i am gone well and see well funny you should say that though because think of how many times think of how many times we hear people telling stories about um 
you know, their, their eldest who decided to, you know, leave high school and instead of going to university or, or learning a trade like they should have, um, they decided to go backpacking in Europe for the year. Right. And, and so parents give them some money and off they go. And then they come back, they've got no money left. They ran out of money three months ago and now they're going to be living in their parents' basement for three months, um, or years, or you can't ever get rid of them, Ben. Um, and, but it, we hear those stories all the time and quite often that person is referred to as the prodigal, right? Yeah. They weren't doing anything bad. It wasn't weeds. It was life experience, right? That's why the parents supported them in doing it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, and I wonder if there isn't a little bit of that in this story, except of course that Jesus says, this is how he spent the money. Right. Uh, Okay. But it's also, you might also look at that as being that's, you know, depends on how you look at that. The fact was he was having life experience and he was learning something. He was learning. He's wasteful. (laughs) He's learning how quick money goes. He learned. So you hope he's learning something. On the other hand, maybe he didn't. There's nothing to indicate there's sincerity in his, his uh, little speech that he gives to dad when he comes back. He, he basically was feeding the pigs and thought other people are better off than me. I know how I can access that. Yeah. I'll just go and, you know, I'll go back to dad. And then at the very least, I'll get to live like some of the, the hired hands on the, on the farm kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And who are better off than me. There's no indication that he actually changed anything. Yeah. Anything else is just implied right. or it's interpretation that we're adding. Right. But this is the kind of, this is the whole thing about uh, parables that Jesus used to teach. Oh, he, yeah. He taught in parable, which means that, you know, we have these stories that we, we read and we think, oh, you know, if only there was more detail. Well, maybe there, the there reason is. there isn't detail is because it's not a true story of okay. something that happened. It's a parable as right. in like... Jesus made it up yeah, but to the thing teach is, a, a lesson. There's, there's, I, sorry, I just kind of misspoke there for a second. I, I didn't mean to say there is. I meant to say there is potential for that, though. Um, and this is the thing about parables, is that we have tended to interpret them or understand them in the past as being a very straightforward story that has a moral. And they are so not that, right? The point of a parable isn't uh, ever just the what appears to be the obvious um, way that the story goes, right? Um, there are so many, oh, I, I was even just, I was just, I was just getting started, right? Because there's so yeah. many questions about this whole thing. Um, there's so many questions about, uh, around, well, literally, where is the mother in this story? Well, right. first century Hebrew society who cares, right? Um, but to us now, we'd look at this story and go, that's not much of a, fa- that's a pretty dysfunctional family. <laughs> um, we'd also, we'd also have questions around, well, that was a fairly specific thing. He was feeding pigs. Oh, wait, pigs are considered ritually unclean. So we're adding even more weight to the fact mm, that the, the son who fallen. left, not only, not only did something bad, but he's fallen like you can't get any lower, right? Yeah. Kind of thing. And that's the point at which he either turns around Turn, wants to turn his life around, he repents, right? Yeah. And goes home. Or, and I know you're going to say I'm being cynical, or he doesn't do anything of the kind. He just realizes he could get a better deal somewhere else. <laughs> and that deal would be at home, so he goes home, right? And in which case, the brother's behavior is absolutely justifiable um, because he's mad not only that the brother came back and the father is spoiling him, but he let him come back without any retribution whatsoever, yeah. right? Um, and and so that's why that's why 
personally, I really wonder what does happen with the other brother because I don't think he embraces his brother at all. I think he continues to hold a grudge is what I think. Um, but of course, what we're supposed to think is it's this simple. The, the one son takes the money and runs, spends it all, comes back, is repentant. Dad says, I forgive you. And then, of course, reminds the other brother that forgiveness is important, right? You, you need to forgive because, you know, he was lost and now is found, mm-hmm. was dead and is alive again, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So, the, so you're saying that the, the traditional teaching of that story is it's important to forgive. Well, I think there's, I think there's actually two pieces. Uh, I'm not going to say that for sure because I rem- learning this as a kid, I remember there being two pieces. One is, for yes, f- but that comes second. Repentance, Repentance comes first. And so the, the, from that, you can see why we would start to, first of all, we'd connect repentance and forgiveness, and they're not. Um, but we would also then kind of, we would start to see that there's a, um, it's not just a question of whether you repent, it's whether or not you receive forgiveness. It's not a question of whether you forgive, it's whether or not repentance is, is obvious, right? Right. Um, but then, of course, we know better. So we start to teach that, you know, forgiveness is important regardless. Right? Yes. Re- right. Okay. I think that the what, what I remember learning from this story, because it is something that I heard lots growing up in the United Church through Sunday school, through sermons, through just popular culture references of the story, is that uh, we are the prodigal son, all of us, because we are innately lost and in, found. inherently sinful, yeah. uh, which we've talked about before. Our default setting is that we're born sinners, and that no matter how um, extreme we get in our sinful ways, there is always uh, grace. That no you matter, betcha. That, so that, God's uh, the dad, right? God's the dad, and if we just return brother? home, if we would just return home, all will be forgiven. Always, no matter what, no matter what you've done. Sure. So, so who's the other brother? Our fellow humans, I guess. I don't know. So here's another here's another way to look at that story, using that foundational piece that mm-hmm. you just said. Right, we're the the brother who left and came back. Right, because we've we've learned from our sinful ways and we've repented and we've come back to God who forgives us. Then the other brother is those who stayed but still have not learned the importance of forgiveness, right? The right. other, the yeah. other brother becomes those, for instance, in the church who aren't willing to accept a repentance in their back um, because they need to earn their way in, right? Right. Right? And so the dad's reminding them, no, that's not how it works. That's not how forgiveness works. Which is, again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with all of that. And maybe it's that's great. all Jesus had in mind and when he may- maybe it was, created but the parable. See, that's a story. Yeah. With a moral. And to me, a parable is something that, um, and this is why I, I love pointing out the parables that don't have an, um, a resolution at the end, right? Like the fig tree one that we were just talking about. Last and week, like this yeah. one. You don't know what happens after that, this. Um, you also don't know what happens. First of all, you don't know what happens after this in terms of the story. But we also don't know because we never do what people said in response when Jesus said this story. Like, did Jesus tell this parable of the prodigal son, and everyone sitting around went, oh, yeah, I totally get that. Let's move on. Or did they go, hang on a minute. 
are you saying and and there was some conversation and some see that's i think that's what parables are about Mm. they're not about here's the explanation this is what it means they're about here are some explanations and here's some potential outcomes what do you think let's have conversation let's discuss it do you see something different in this than me well maybe we should talk about that Mm. because here's the thing here's the thing um we call it the prodigal son and that's the son who left right but if the definition of prodigal is specifically um being wasteful and extravagant and uh and like ridiculously so they're all prodigal oh yeah look L- at literally the way the, look i mean at the way the you father... could you could look at the way you look at each of the, the characters in this they are literally all that because the dad why would you give him the money <laughs> why would you do that yeah. Like I, I get generosity. Okay. Could be a reason. Uh, uh, you love the son so much that you want them to have what they want. You want them to, you know, that they're going to go and experience. Sure. You can explain that whatever out of that. But the bottom line is why would you do that in a society yeah. where you wouldn't? Yeah. So not right? only is he spoiling. So the dad's the, the extravagant son. too. He's spoiling him when he returns Wait, with the party yeah, and everything else. On top of everything but he's else. also spoiling him by just giving him the share of the inheritance to begin with. Yeah. On top of that, we can also look at the for- forgiveness as being prodigal, as being extravagant and wasteful. I'm going to come back to that in a sec because I just want to mention the, the other brother. Because you could look at that other brother and you could go, you had the example of a sibling who went off and enjoyed life and you chose to waste these years just working in the fields like everybody else hoping that sooner or later, you know, dad might croak and you get the inheritance. Um, or you were happy with this ordinary, you know, not exciting, stay-at-home kind of... There are people who would tell you that's prodigal, too. That that's wasteful, right. too, right? right? It depends on your perspective of how you look at that. So let me go back to the, let me go back to the, the dad being, the forgiveness being prodigal. Um, the thing is, uh, I, I think, I do think that discussion being important and all of that kind of absolutely in perspective and all that kind of interpretation stuff. I do think a key part of this, this story um, is that forgiveness has, first of all, forgiveness does not require repentance, nor does it make repentance. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our forget, one of our issues with forgiveness is that we live in a society where retribution is important. And forgiveness requires us to let go of retribution. It requires us to say, I forgive you, period. You don't have to this. You don't have to that. You don't need to make it up to me. You don't. I simply forgive you and to leave it at that and mm-hmm. let it be that. Mm-hmm. Because we live in a society that's, contrib- that, that's conditioned to retributive justice. There yeah. is a punishment when you behave that way. Yeah. Right? It's a wrong. Great, great You'll example be of that is... Um, the Humboldt bus crash in Saskatchewan, where, I mean, for quite some time now, we've all been following this story, and there's uh, article after article in the news and, and a lot of all this media coverage talking about uh, his the driver's trial, and, and you see all these varying uh, perspectives on whether he should be found guilty, whether he should be, what the punishment should be. And some of the parents of the victims are, are offering their forgiveness already, whereas others are, you know, never, uh, I'll never be able to forgive. 
we we each have such a different approach to it. Right. But but all of us seem to, in our culture in our society we all seem to have um, bought into this idea or agree, uh, agree that um, that there needs to be justice served. That well that, that also is, depends on how you define justice. Um, we true. are we are the society of eye for an eye. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you hurt me. I will hurt you back. You took something from me. I will take something from you. Um, you took a life. We'll take yours. That's how our system works. And there is some question as to whether or not that is, in fact, just. Um, obviously. Um, but also in terms of how that's administered and to what degree. And so, yeah, you're right. I mean, that that, that crash is a perfect example of, of how do you determine what's the appropriate and the you still have to use the word punishment. Um, and, and this is also the point though, where, um, even if all of the families of, uh, the victims of that crash, um, if all of the families had said, we forgive you, he'd still be going to prison because their ability to forgive has nothing to do with what the judicial system will do. That's right. Right? It bears, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It, it might, I suppose it might conceivably influence the judge, but, but not really. It's not supposed to. It's not supposed the to. The way it's, the system's designed. Um, and, and because that's about the people, it's not about the societal structure. The laws, right? yeah. Um, and, well, and there's the thing, is that um, as my, my uh, he's going to hate it that I'm mentioning him, but I uh, w- once long ago learned something from my eldest brother, um, <laughs> which is, which is other than some really good jokes about lawyers, because he was a lawyer, um, is that um, our judicial system isn't about justice, it's about law, and it's not the same thing, mm. right? And, and that is, I think that's absolutely true. I think it's about fulfilling the requirement of the law versus actually acting justly mm-hmm. because that's where we've come to, right? We need to have structure and, and it's hard to balance that structure with the whole idea of, of uh, the sincerity of apologies and forgiveness, right? So for example, there are people, um, I'm, I've seen this in the news and of course you see it everywhere on social media. There are people who have a have very different opinions of whether or not the driver of that truck is sincerely sorry, mm-hmm. and whether or not he is in fact going to own this for the rest of his life. Um, and part of me wants to go, how sad is your life <laughs> that you would think that what happened in that situation is not going to wear on him for the rest of his life? Yeah, I'm sorry, but I just like I can't understand how any human being um, would not carry that load forever. Of right? course, um, and to suggest that they aren't and that they're not sorry is ludicrous, as far as I'm concerned. That's just my opinion on this particular situation. Mm-hmm. But this happens in every situation, right? Is that you question the sincerity of the apology, um, and you question the sincerity of even the forgiveness too, sometimes, right? Um, because, because our forgiveness seems to be conditioned around response. It's conditioned around, um, did you, did you say sorry first? Mm-hmm. And, was and even if you didn't, did you accept the fact that I said, I forgive you and then acted appropriately sorry afterwards? And do <laughs> I believe you? That's the one piece, right? We're conditioned to retribution. The other piece that you ha- we have to let go of is there is change that happens in these moments. There absolutely is. 
Um, there's no, I'm not even questioning that for a second. But I think sometimes what we do is we go, this happened, I'm hurt, I forgive you. I feel good about the fact that I forgive you and I don't require any punishment or anything, blah, 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 blah. But I'm still looking for you to change your life because I forgave you. doesn't matter how big or small the thing is. I'm still looking for a change in you that indicates to me that my forgiveness somehow impacted you. Right. There's a string attached. And the thing is, it's not about the other. It's about us. Forgiveness is about um, ourselves. It's not about how it impacts the other person. It's not about whether it changes the other person in any way at all. It's about what it does for us. And what forgiveness, I hope, um, does for us is that it, uh, while we are changed by whatever that moment was that required the forgiveness, um, it, it moves us forward from it. We carry that forward into our lives, but we don't do it with, um, with hate. We don't do it with, um, with uh, uh, an eye to hurting someone else. Mm. We don't do it with an, an eye to payback, right? Mm. Um, or even look at how much uh, better I am than you because yeah. I'm willing but to forgive. I forgave you. Yeah. yeah. You're the crappy person who did that, but I forgave you. I'm so much better than you. Um, and that's so why I love it? the fact that Jesus left this hanging right where he did. <laughs> Is I think if Jesus had said uh, uh, some anything that led to and they all lived happily ever after, yeah, it would have completely ruined the impact of the story, the power of it. Yeah. So what? So Robin, what does f- f- the word forgiveness or to forgive mean? Like, what is the actual definition in your mind of to forgive? In my mind, or an actual definition? Well, either one. Like we we talk about I'd, words. I'd whip like, out my phone and look it up if you want. We well, really can. But um, we, I'll give you an example. We talk about, we've talked, you have talked in, in sermons before about what it means to remember, to remember. And we right. often uh, hear about that around yeah. remem- Remembrance Day, to, right. to uh, make someone a member of once yeah, to, again. To or to re- reconnect, to connect, to connect again with a moment that brings the power of that moment into this moment in a way that has, has positive, uh, hopefully, uh, a positive impact. Exactly. Right. So, so the equivalent of that, and I don't know if that's your definition or if you that's mine. Pick that I, up from I, somewhere else along I, the way. I, I, that's entirely possible too. I'm gonna lie. Uh, that's entirely possible too. But, but in terms of a like a literal dictionary definition, I'm pretty sure that's not it. So I could be wrong. So, what does forgiveness mean to you then? Like we, you've been talking about it and you've been kind of circling yeah. it. But what does the actual word mean then? Like it's, I don't okay, want to sound like a politician, but I'm not going to answer your question right away. <laughs> okay. uh, what I'm going to say first though is, um, this is the, uh, this is, I think one of the things about parables, and I've, I've already said this a couple of times, but they inspire, they ought to inspire, uh, questions and discussion and, uh, interaction, right? Yeah. Because ultimately, um, I think, they're all pointing to the same thing, which is the central piece of what Jesus is about. Um, love is relational, right? We're, it's about our relationship with each other and with the world around us. Um, and and uh, love, uh, oh, what were we, we watched a, oh, it was a clip from Into the Wild. Just the other night at, at Gathering, we, we had a, a clip from the film Into the Wild, which is the story of Chris McCandless, um, in which uh, one of the characters says something like, um, to love is to forgive, and to forgive is to love. And I think that's absolutely right. I think for- forgiveness is a huge piece of love um, mm. because in our interactions with each other, we're so bad at it 
that we 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 hurt each other. We 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 need to say sorry to each other on a on a uh, fairly regular basis. Um, and and I, I don't mean I don't mean for anything like I don't mean necessarily even huge things. I mean things like you know. Um, I accidentally bumped you in line for something. Oh, I'm sorry. We, in fact, Canadians are notorious <laughs> for saying, I'm just say that. I'm sorry. We're famous for it as Canadians. Oh, um, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. I, I like to think, I, and I like to think that although my mind is changing on this as our uh, sort of um, social and political landscape changes to be a little bit, I think, too much more American. Um, but I, I like to think that that's not just because we're freaking polite. I think it's because we know we should. Mm. We know that when you hurt someone or you, you, and, and I'm just using that to, I'm using the word hurt to encompass everything from, like I said, like accidentally bumping somebody to, you know, breaking their heart. Um, we know that we should say sorry, mm-hmm. right? And that we um, should be sorry. And, and more importantly, yeah, more importantly, we should be sorry. We shouldn't just kind of go, uh, yeah, sorry about that. As if it means nothing. Um, it should mean something. And I like to think, and feel free to say I'm wrong, but I like to think 90% of the time we mean it. So here's <laughs> Which I think is probably way higher than a lot of other places. Probably. Yeah. But back to something you said. If, if someone... So let's look at an intimate relationship, like a marriage or a family relationship. If someone is continually hurtful, or you, they're doing something, their behavior, um, you're interpreting it as hurtful. And then they say sorry, but then the behavior continues or the pattern continues. Mm-hmm. Then the assumption is, oh, you weren't sorry. You said yeah. sorry last week or yesterday, and then you kept doing it. So no wonder we have this expectation that, okay, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to receive your apology but I'm going to place this condition on you that it's going to be different from now on yeah. moving forward because we don't, we want to prevent ourselves from being duped from being hurt again the next time around. First of all, let me say, I appreciate you letting me get away with not defining forgiveness yet. Um, but also, <laughs> yeah, I, I've frequently uh, said things like Jesus does never say forgive and forget. That's wrong. Don't forgive and forget forgive and remember remember why you forgave in the first place right um and um that's not to suggest that your guard should be up and you know all that kind of stuff no so much as you should for you should remember what happened and remember why you forgave right and like but, you said before you're and remember also, that you're forgiving for yourself not yeah. for the other person that you're giving them uh free license right. to do so going back to what I said earlier about the two things, two things about forgiveness we have the most trouble with are um, we are conditioned to think that forgiveness requires retribution, um, but also that forgiveness requires cha- a change, right? Um, and the thing is, it doesn't. And there's a huge problem right there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one thing. And this is one of those moments where I kind of go for, for anybody who goes to church on a Sunday morning uh, or, or whenever and hears the pastor stand at the front and go, it's this simple. You know in your head, it's not. <laughs> I think you know in your heart it's not too. But you hear the pastor say, it's this simple. Jesus says love, so go and do that, right? And if it were that simple, um, sermons would be 
uh, 30 seconds long, and you'd only need to go to church once to know that. You would need to go every week to be reminded. Um, but maybe it is simple, it's just not easy. The thing is, I think it is simple, and yet the practical applica- the concept is simple, and the practical application of it is incredibly difficult um, and complicated. Because the, the thing is, that forgiveness does not require a change in the other person. It simply instigates a change in you. Right. But you're quite right that in saying that I've left the door open entirely on. So you can forgive somebody. You are, in fact, then if you forgive somebody and they get away with it and it doesn't change them in any way and they do it 10 more times, you are facilitating 10 more people being hurt. You could absolutely see it that way. And yes, you'd be absolutely right. So what do we do with that? How Mm. do we do? How do we handle that? And this is a point where I think the societal structure around law and justice um, needs to meet forgiveness and repentance, right? Mm-hmm. I think, and I think, in fact, I think, um, I think that um, I know there's a lot of debate around this and, and particularly around the fact, even, I mean, there's a lot of prejudicial debate around this, but I think there's actually legit debate around the idea that in a society such as we currently have this, it's not doable. But there's a trend now in Canada um, amongst First Nations communities to have like sharing circles and and um, healing circles, right? So instead of somebody going to prison, um, they engage in that process that hopefully leads to, and I'm going to say hopefully because first of all, we're in the hope business. Um, and secondly, because like absolutely everything, including every part of the Bible and every story and every every parable, you don't know what the outcome's going to be. You can't predict it. You can't guarantee it. It could go anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is why the stories don't have an ending. Um, but um, I, I, I actually, I, I think that's on the right track. I think we need to figure out a way um, for uh, to to truly bring justice into our justice system. Um, we need to figure out a way where the societal structure and the laws meet forgiveness and repentance, right? Um, and part of that is also providing the opportunity for people um, as part of their um, huge air quotes here, punishment, um, that there's an opportunity for them to learn how to c- come back from that, how, how to be not be that anymore, right? And not just an incarceration where you're paying a penalty. No, right? a, a penalty or a, or a punishment that is just... Um, uh, what's the word? If you're just taking something away from someone because, well, we're going to punish you by fining you. We're going to charge you this fine. or We're going right. to lock you up in prison for five years. That's not enabling right. any so, growth or learning. That's yeah. just taking something away it's, from that person. It's like, like how, uh, you know, sometimes you see the stories or, you know, this is a favorite thing on TV shows, right? Where somebody says, oh, that's okay. I'll only be inside for five years and then I'm out and I'll be doing it again. You know, that kind of thing, right? Um, and, and, but why is my question. Why are they there? And so that, that should cause us to look even further back and start looking at how we change that. Um, instead of relying on the fact that, oh, we can always punish them later, couldn't we be like leading them to something better to start, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that's where you, you started to get into debates about, yeah, that costs a lot of money, 
and how do you do that now? And then you see people posting stuff on on Facebook is a favorite place for people to post stuff like this, right? About Norway and Sweden and Finland and Denmark, right? You know where you know it's like this there, or or New Zealand, where bad stuff never happens until it does. Yeah. Right. Because somebody famously noticed it wasn't happening there, and that's why they went there. Right. And and that's see, that's, again, the point where the judicial system representing justice, not just the law, but justice needs to meet um, with forgiveness and repentance. It needs to work uh, to meet with like social change. It needs to meet with all of those people who want to help um, change that. Right. I, I know it's really easy to say. And that's like we say this about the gun thing a lot. Right. Especially since we're not Americans, we often say this about the U.S., anybody who's not American, um, they're so far along that, how do you pull them back? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mother's got a weapon. How do, you get, how do you pull people back from that? It's enshrined in their constitution. How do you pull, it, like it's a cultural thing. How do you pull them back from that? Um, having a gun is not a cultural thing in, uh, I don't think, in England or Scandinavia or, you know, most European countries, I would no. think. Um, but it is here. Well, not here, but in the in U.S., States. right? Yeah. Um, and some of that's coming here. Some of that is actually bleeding into other countries, right? Um, so do you just like throw up your hands and go, nope, Screw it. We're just going to punish people. Let's go with the whole law thing. Or do you go, we could change that. Mm. Um, we can we can work at this. We can bring people to a, a different way of understanding this. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of work. But we can bring people to a different way of understanding this. Um, and there are different ways that we can do that. We can start look at looking at... Um, Yes, religious traditions, but also cultural traditions, right? Um, the the um, I mentioned the uh, First Nations thing around like healing circles, and there's a wonderful children's book um, called Sharing Circle. And what happens in Sharing Circle is um, two foxes uh, who grew up together and have been, uh, you know, they've been friends forever, kind of thing. Um, one of them quite innocently pushes the other into the river, and it makes them mad. They have a fight. And then that affects everybody around them because they're not friends anymore. Hmm. And so the wise, I can't remember what I think it's a, a bison. It might be an owl. Anyway, one of the wise animals gathers everyone for a sharing circle. And it explains, the book essentially is about explaining what a sharing circle is and what hmm. happens in a sharing circle. And, and like it's a way of introducing First Nations traditions, right? Cool. Um, and and it's, it's a, an awesome book. The key part of this is the reason they're having the sharing circle is so that amongst the community, the two foxes can share their stories and then hopefully come to some understanding, especially hearing how it's affected the rest of the animals mm-hmm. they can come to. And, and it's, it's a wonderful story. And of course, it has a wonderful, wonderful resolution at the end. I don't imagine that happens every single time. But it creates the potential for it. Yeah, you can't guarantee. And that's the thing is, you know, just like the prodigal son story, you can't guarantee the outcome, right? So coming back to that story, I was. Are you going to make me define forgiveness? Well, I am going to eventually here. But I, I'm curious if you could write the end of that story, Robin. How would you, how would you like to see, the, um, the aftermath of this prodigal son returning to the family 
what would you see the father and the brother and the mother that you mentioned is missing from the story? How would you see that family respond? What would be, in your mind, um, a way of restoring that brokenness? Um, I, I think there need to be some conversation with the son that came back, and I think it should involve everyone in the family. Everyone. And, you know, a Hebrew family with only two sons. There's probably like eight sisters. You know what I mean? Like there may be others, right? Um, uh, but it's remember, it's just a story, so I can make up what I want. Um, but the the thing is, the thing is that that um, because there is no resolution past the point of forgiveness is important. Um, I, I think there's potential for good things and bad things, right? I think there's potential for the family having some discussion around it, um, and for the brother. Uh, the other brother and the father and the mother and any other siblings um, uh, trying to help the one brother um, learn more about um, being, you know, being more careful with money, um, how to, how to treat people, you know, all that kind of stuff, um, how to be respectful, all of those things. But I think the family also could learn something from the worldly experiences of the son, right? So there's got to be conversation. There's got to be, key focus relationship yeah happening right yeah. if there's not relationship being built and that's what the forgiveness thing does it opens the door mm. on relationships being restored or rebuilt or built or whatever the opposite of restored is is stored a word uh, anyway <laughs> um it, it opens the door on that happening it mm. creates that potential and and i think that's that's the way uh, see that's the way i quite a, uh, more often than not see the parable stories that jesus tells is that it's not just about the point of the parable it's about the potential it creates right and the potential it creates is invariably both good and bad right the the fig tree story could have ended could easily have ended with the gardener saying um no give me a year and, and the landowner going no cut it down now i'm your boss <laughs> it could also it could also have ended with no cut it down now and i'm going to replace it with this tree which grows faster and produces this kind of fruit which i can sell because it's worth more and by the way you're fired and and by the way you're fired yeah <laughs> there's so many variables there um and and i i don't i i just can't imagine that jesus would tell stories that had uh potentially a variety of endings not intentionally right see i i think his his intention would have been to tell a story from which you need to extrapolate an ending or at least to understand that there could be a variety of endings to this. It depends on what happens in this. And invariably, that relies on how the relationship is nurtured. In the fig tree story, um, I think I said when I was talking about the fig tree story, the most important part is the manure. I don't because it is. <laughs> the most important part of the fig tree story isn't the gardener, it isn't the tree, it isn't the, the landowner. The most important part is what facilitates the nurture of the tree. Right? The nurture of the relationship. Fertility. What nurtures the relationship, right? What nurtures the relationship in the prodigal son story? It's the forgiveness that nurtures the relationship. Mm. Does that mean there's going to be a guaranteed change in the behavior? No, it doesn't. But it creates the possibility for it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is, you know, it, it's it, quite often, I think, and just going back to what I said a little while ago about how uh, I think sometimes people think you know they go to church on a sunday morning or whenever they hear the pastor preach and the pastor preaches about it's this simple just go and do this go and love everybody after all jesus said love one another as i showed you to oh wait <laughs> jesus didn't say just go and love it's easy he said as i showed you to love right 
famously in John's gospel. And there's the key part. It's not just about go and love. It's about how I showed you. Did I show you it was easy? No, I did not. Did I show you that it wouldn't come without a price? No, I did not. But it came with action. So love was demonstrated. It came with action that created potential. Um, Even the healing stories, right? Sometimes we we hear a story about, you know, Jesus um, healed the blind man who went off and told everybody what happened and, and, and everything, or the one who wanted to follow Jesus, right? But sometimes we hear a story about a healing and then Jesus moves on. We don't hear what that person did with their their now changed transformed life we don't hear so what happened oh well they obviously went off told everyone how wonderful jesus was and lived a great and righteous life until the end of their days how do you know that all jesus did was create the possibility the potential Mm -hmm. right um and that's 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 what love does love opens a door forgiveness does too right um and 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 the thing about all of these things is again they're relational right forgiveness forgiveness has a potential i forgive you for something right um uh today's coffee was not as good as last week so i'm gonna forgive you for that um so i forgive you for something that makes me feel a certain way because i've forgiven right so I'm going to let it go that this was not as good as, and well, I won't mention I, it again. Now I feel probably more to than, apologize. And, <laughs> but you shouldn't. Um, but you might feel, not pressured to apologize, but you might feel, huh, okay, well, and that, that's good. Okay, maybe I'll just, I'll put a little bit more effort out next time, hint, hint. Um, but you might not. You might think, you ungrateful bastard. I'm not making you coffee next week. <laughs> Bring your own damn coffee next time. You could think that too, right? And from my perspective, I'd be like, I don't care. I don't really even like the taste of coffee. I only drink it with the caffeine. Or I might be thinking, oh dear, I've really offended Ben now. Maybe I should apologize to him. Or I might think next week, well, I'll bring coffee for both of us. That's not going to happen. But, um, but <laughs> Thank goodness. Again, there's a variety of outcomes. What's changed here? Well, hopefully, the fact that I feel... Um, if I have forgiven and by forgiven, I mean, let go of the, uh, possibility uh, the, the, the need for, um, uh, for retribution and the possibility of redemption. I let go of that. That's up to you. It's me, right? Mm-hmm. I've let go of this now. Okay. So, um, good. I'm good. But, but, um, if I, if I've forgiven, truly forgiven, um, it's not like I've forgotten it. I'm not holding it against you. I'm not holding it against me. I'm not hating. I'm not hurting. I'm not wanting something more out of it. Right. Um, but, uh, it may have inspired you to do something different. It may not. I, that's not on me. You have to let go of that. I need to let go of that. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's, that's the thing about forgiveness is that we try, we try so hard, I think, to tie it to like, even, actually, that's a bad way of saying that. I would like to think we try really hard to forgive without worrying about retribution or, rede- or the redemptive part. I think it's really hard for us because we see cause and effect all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard for us to let go of that. I think it's really hard for us to let go of the whole um, eye for an eye, you know? It is. It's really wired into us. The, the thing or, or even replacement, right? Like, you hurt me by taking my stuff. You should replace yeah. it. Yeah, if you, if you put it back to its right way of being, then all I'll is, forgive all you. All is well. Yeah. yeah, and all is well. No, 
all is well because I forgave you regardless, right? Yeah. Um, and 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 that's the actually wellness is a good way to put that is because I think that's the thing that makes it whole. It makes us whole and creates the potential for our relationship becoming more whole, mm. right? Well, I can think of t I can think of uh, times in my life where I've experienced where I've apologized or I've confessed to something or I've made, you know, a, an enormous mistake. And in uh, lots of the ones I'm thinking of relate to my relationship with my parents where I felt like the prodigal son returning or sharing something that I'd done that I'd kept from my parents. And even in asking for their forgiveness, I didn't feel restored or resolved until they not only said, it's okay, but in, for me, that wasn't enough. I felt like they needed to understand it. And to me, the, what you're saying about something you said earlier where you equated forgiveness with love, that you cannot have forgiveness without love. If, when you think about what love means, as Jesus lived it by example, like you said, or even thinking about uh, some of the biblical definitions of love in Corinthians. Love is, we talked about that recently. Love is patient. Love is mm -hmm. kind. Love does not make assumptions. Love is... Um, I forget the long list of all of the things that uh, that are in that passage from Corinthians. But if you if you just say, "Oh, it's okay," or "Oh, I, I forgive you," without having all of those qualities of love, the the openness to sit and listen and hear what the impact has been on that person, or or just share what the impact has been for you, the the relationship building part of it that you're talking about to me is so crucial for love to create an, an effective forgiveness that can be transformative for both sides, for both mm -hmm. people involved in that. Yeah. It, um, it, 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 this is a, it's, it's almost, we've almost reached a point sometimes where this is a conditioned response, um, in some, especially, especially when anger is involved, somebody says, I'm sorry. The other person goes, are you? Mm. Right. Um, and the thing is, um, they probably asked themselves that question before, or they should have asked themselves that question before they offered their, I'm sorry. It's not up, you to, up to you to question that really, right? You need to decide for yourself whether you're going to accept it for sure. Mm -hmm. But, um, and again, though, there's part of the complication of all of this is sincerity, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people do. Uh, in fact, sometimes so often do people say they're sorry when they're not really, um, that we've conditioned ourselves to the possibility, the very cynical possibility that that's what's happening. Yeah. Right? Well, um, I'm laughing and, and how many times, how many times, and, and usually, usually our perception of that is supported by a betrayal, right? Yeah. We feel betrayed because somebody lied to us. Um, or we've had some sort of traumatic experience in our life that's led us to question anybody's sincerity. Right? So how do you how do you pull back from that? Um, and again, I think yeah, it comes it comes to love. It love love is patient and kind, and um, it envies no one, right? Um, but but you know you know, you know what I mean, right? I mean the the idea is that we're looking, and this is the thing, and this is why I love that Jesus' parables are always left hanging, is that they encourage us to have conversation and to think and to wonder and to try, um, but they shouldn't leave us feeling like we're failing 
they shouldn't leave us feeling like I'm not even going to bother trying because I'm not going to, it's not going to be perfect. So why bother? Jesus never asked for perfection. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I keep saying this, but it's a lot. Jesus never asked for perfection from anybody. Jesus just asked people to love. It's like Jesus didn't ask for tolerance, right? Jesus didn't ask for tolerance because tolerance implies there's something to be tolerant of. And if you love, there is no need for that. All Jesus asked for is love. Um, And that's the point maybe where it comes back to. It's simple. And yet the practical application of it is incredibly complex and difficult. But we should try. We should. I think this is a good place to leave it. And we're just about at an hour. So we're going to wrap. Yeah, we went long today. Yeah. But um, I I think that this is a discussion that required a deeper exploration like Jesus and his listeners when he was sharing this parable would have engaged in, uh, you For know, sure. way back when. Yeah, I mean, this we could we could keep we could keep going another few hours or more probably. In fact, we wouldn't be done even then probably. Yeah, I, I think this is actually our record-breaking like longest episode ever. So if you've made it all to all the way to the end, congratulations! Thank you for joining us. And Robin, thank you again for for coming on today and for coming in this week and having this great discussion. Thanks, Ben. Uh, Thank you again for anyone who has taken a moment to pause this episode right at the beginning when we asked you to, or if you didn't, maybe now is the time, and to leave us a review and a rating. It really does help us with sharing this show and getting it out to more people. So thank you so much for taking a couple minutes and doing that and for sharing these uh, episodes with friends and family and anyone who you think might be interested in these conversations. And we hope that you'll join us again next week. Thanks for listening.